Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Leadership Lean In. We are leaning into the subject of leadership just to get a little bit better. As always, I am very thankful for everybody that is posting about it, sharing it, commenting, uh, subscribing. Also, make sure you subscribe to our every other week leadership email, sending you great content in your email box. You can get that. Uh, on our Zoe Church website or on my website, chadveach.org. So uh, today we are going to jump right in. We have a very special guest on today's episode. None other, the one and only Torin Wells is coming to us live from H-Town today. So we're going to jump right in to Leadership Lean In. By the way, just a heads up, this is this is episode number two of 2021, and again, we're going every other week with a new episode with the email, and we're doing three seasons in 2021. Season one, we're in the midst of, we're going to go January, February, March. We'll take April off, May, June, July. We'll take August off, September, October, November, and December off. So, episode number two of season number one of 2021, The Great Torn Wells. Come on. Let's jump right in. My man, What's thank up? you so much for being on Leadership Lean In. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. You're the best. I've All got right. a bunch of questions for you. That's what you don't <laughs> Plot twist. <laughs> Plot twist. You didn't see it coming. Uh-huh. Are you in H-Town? Houston, baby. Through and through. Even though everyone else is leaving, I'm staying. Wait, people are leaving H-Town too? Bro. You must not be watching ESPN today because you're more spiritual. Deshaun Watson. Oh, oh, oh right, 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 right. You know yeah, I saw, I saw that. I saw that he officially asked for the trade. Uh. I saw that. See, I thought when you see one out of every five Angelinos departed. Oh, wow. It, it in the, during the pandemic. So that's what I thought you meant. But yeah, no, H-Town, Harden is in Brooklyn. Deshaun's yeah. going to be in who, who knows, knows where. where. George I, Springer's in Toronto. It's just they're falling. Any of them. <laughs> uh, I love H Town. By the way, what is the name of the great Mexican place in Houston? Is it? Well, you have a few. Okay, you have okay. Nymphas. Okay, not okay, that which one. Nymphas on navigation is the OG. Okay, but within the Nymphas family is uh, the other spot. <laughs> <laughs> El Tiempo. <laughs> okay, El Tiempo. El Tiempo, which if if you've been to Lakewood, which you've been many times, I'm sure you've been taken to El Tiempo. That's the one. That's the spot. H but let me tell you about Lupe Tortilla, though, because Lupe got some I wasn't some ready sauce. for it. I got wasn't ready for sauce, it. boy. <laughs> <laughs> See, people always are tripping when I'm like, I love Houston. 
Like, I love the city of Houston. I love going to Houston. Yeah. But I think it's because I just love everybody in Houston so much. Like some of my favorite people in the whole world live in Houston, Texas. Yeah. And uh, and my man, you are one of them. I love being around you. I, I look forward to many more times together in person yeah. uh, down the road. And just have really respected. The reason why I want to talk to you today is I love the way you handle your life. Uh, the godly leadership the intentionality, I feel like in a great way, you've been on a rocket ship and have stayed grounded and rooted. You're a family man. You, 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 you love your spouse. Uh, and yet you're still, you're building. And I, I love, I love the tension there between mm -hmm. like, I'm on a rocket ship and I'm staying grounded. Mm -hmm. How, how do you handle living within that tension? Well, I think, you know, the question Typically, there is phrased, how do you balance the home life, the work life, the ministry life, um, and the first ministry life, which is to our families? And I was struggling with that, I guess, at 28, you know, which was just a few years ago. Um, but I had a conversation with a mentor of mine. His name is Aaron Lindsay. He's a multi-Grammy award-winning producer, right. songwriter. And I called him. This was back when I was in my band that I toured with for a long time. And I was feeling that pull. At that time, we only had one son. And uh, but I was still feeling that pressure and that tension. I was like, dude, I don't think I can do this. I, I can't be gone from home this much. I First of all, I just miss my family. I actually don't need the road to escape my home life. I enjoy my home life. I enjoy my wife. Uh, so I don't need right. an escape. What do I do? And he said, man, you'll never be able to balance this, but we're musicians. So we deal with rhythm, not balance. Wow. And every season has a rhythm to it. What you can't do is try to, continue and maintain the tempo of a season that has changed. Wow. So you set yourself up for failure when you try to bring the wrong rhythm into the wrong season. So, so good. what I've tried to do and what we try to do as a family, my wife and I, is have realistic expectations of the demands or the rhythm of the season. I know that if I'm going on tour, there's a different expectation for what I have bandwidth to do right. in my home and in the local church. But instead of trying to chase all of that and apologize over and over for all the things I'm not doing, mm -hmm. I try to set realistic expectations up front for what the pace is going to be for that season. And then when I'm home, I'm home and I'm unplugged from the tour from the engagements, from all of that stuff and focused. So it's taken some time. It's taken some therapy, but we have found right. the rhythm in, in each season. Oh, that is, that is so well said. I've never heard anyone paint it that way. And as you're talking about that rhythm, uh, it just makes so much sense. That is such a great picture and such a great application for any leader that's trying to bring great rhythm and balance to their life. I want to ask you about pressure and and how you deal with pressure. Uh, you've had such a tremendous amount of success, uh, mass billboard, 
explosion, uh, music, songs, albums, podcasts. Do you ever feel pressure? And if you do, how do you handle pressure? Yeah. Well, I think there is pressure that we impose on ourselves, and then there's God pressure. So you pressure, God pressure. Anytime I'm putting me pressure on, it's because I have bought into the internal narrative that I am responsible for the results that are being produced from my efforts. So So good. So I <laughs> I trick myself into believing that my level of output determines what I am seeing happen in my life. The problem is it rarely happens like that. You can be busy, you can be hustling, you can be grinding and nothing happening. (laughs) (laughs) Has anybody been there? You're trying so hard in your own effort. And I think God's like, that's, that's good. I'm glad you're doing something. But if you would actually stop for a second and let me do what I do, you'll actually yield far more results. So what, the, and this is a tension for me constantly, is how do I, how do I continue to be faithful to what I'm called to do without drifting into an idea of self-reliance. Man, I love that. How much am I weighing on my own strength, my own contacts, my own network, my own resources, and just trying to do what I can do in quote unquote, my own strength? Or am I doing what I can do, but ultimately taking the pressure off because I'm leaving the results to God? That's it. I feel more pressure when what if I feel like what I'm doing isn't working. Mm. If it's working, we're good, dude. I'm great. I've got a great attitude. When it's not working, I'm grumpy. I'm discontent. It's not meeting my expectations. But it could be the grace of God and letting me know, dude, if you could step back for a minute. Mm. I think, you know, to be really real. You can retreat from pressure in a lot of different ways. And you have to decide either you're going to retreat to God's presence Mm. or you're going to retreat to a substitute. And there have been many times in my life where I've retreated to substitutes, Mm. substances, pornography, uh, affirmation from people. Mm trying to just stay so busy you don't have to deal with yourself as opposed to retreating to God's presence. It sounds cliche for church people, right. but the place of rest where my soul is reminded who I am and what I was created for, when I'm creating from that place, leading from that place, then my soul stays healthy the pressure stays off and I'm able to produce things that God can actually bless versus my, my striving and my efforts produced from a place of substitute. 
That is beautiful. And you know, just don't you just, you feel, you know it. You know when you're striving. You know when you're reaching. Mm -hmm. One of the values that I, I wrote down for 2021 is don't reach for anything. Good. Because grace comes to you. Good. Opportunities come to you. And if I got to barrel down a door, it's probably not God. Right. Because grace, by definition, is undeserved blessing and unmerited favor. So yeah. I always feel like there's an imbalance here. If I've got to knock down the doors, if I've got to make it happen, right. that's on me, and, and, I, and I know it. I want to talk to you uh, about forecasting, about having you know, the foresight to make decisions, to anticipate. How have you been able, in your position, to go, you know what, I think I'm supposed, I got to pivot here. We said during the pandemic that our superpower is flexibility and agility mm-hmm. and kind of just being able to move, being fluid. How mm-hmm. have you maintained for your career being fluid, but also the ability to have foreknowledge, insight, going, this is what we're going to do, and this is where we're going to go? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm paying attention to what's happening in the world around me. And I'm listening to the voices that God has put right. in my life. Honestly. Right. right. I, I am the days of me thinking I am the smartest, wisest, know everything to do. And I'm a deep well that I can pull all the vision and all the things. I need people and I need people with great insight and instinct and expertise and experience and work ethic and I need to be able to hear them. Mm. What are their ideas? What are they feeling? Um, now, obviously, as the leader, you, you have to have a, a deeper sense of what I feel like, what is you? What are you called to do? And then how do the things people are mentioning or suggesting around you build into who you are called to be and what you're called to do? Um, but I also, so little Enneagram here for uh, <laughs> the millennials out there. You're right. Um, I, I'm a Enneagram three. So I'm very goal and achievement oriented. So it's easy for me to say, I want to have this in five years. I want to do this. I want to know these people all of that. Well, God has been deconstructing a lot of that in me because he needed to redefine the target. Mm. And it's not necessarily that the, the goals were wrong or bad, but I think it's a constant motivation assessment. Mm. Why do you want to be where you want to be in five years? Right. Because you want more people to be following you. Why? so that you fulfill something within you that you feel like you're lacking. You're Mm. trying to fix what's broken with more influence, with more platform. Mm. What's the motivation? Mm. So when I'm thinking about the future, I try to have a sensitivity to what God's doing right now so that he can get me where he wants me to be. Mm. And, And that's my heart. I know we have to have goals. I know we have to have vision. But we can sell ourselves on a vision that is so much beneath what God has envisioned for us. If we are so committed to what we want to do, 
that we forget that the Holy Spirit leads us to what he wants us to do. It's great. So I like having the idea and the benchmarks and, and the targets, but every day it's that constant surrender of God redefine this goal, redefine this target. And, and most of all, purify my motivation great, for the great. things that I'm pursuing. And, and at the end of the day, you know, we started the year off 2021 with the whole thought of instead of writing down in 2021 what you want to do, mm-hmm. maybe this could be the year we write down who we want to become. Right. Because life is less about what you're doing yes, and more about who you're becoming. Yep. And if we get so fixated on these goals and obsessed with numeric breakthrough or what, fill in the blank for your field, your category of leadership let's say you hit that, but you have be, it took a chunk out of who you are. I meet so many people with massive success in the world's opinion, yeah. and yet they're a fraction of who they could have become. And I'm always impressed with who people are more than what they've accomplished. Absolutely. You know? I just saw this uh, the other day. I don't know if I heard it or I read it, but it was uh, someone talking about success and they were saying, you can get an A at your work, but if you failed in family and you failed in friendship and you failed, it's the cumulative. So you may be crushing right. it, but if you look at the GPA, you only have a 1.5 GPA because you have to look at the totality of right. your life. So just because you're crushing it in one area doesn't mean you're healthy in all of the other areas. And I think defining that as success and identity right. over activity is a key point that that you bring up. So Can't that's really good. More. I was talking to a, a friend and I was asking him, he's quite a bit further along in his career. And I was like, bro, talk to me about money. Like, what are you doing? How are you sustaining this? What are you paying people? You know, what's your mindset around it? How do you know which things to to do for free and which thing, you know? And he said, man, I don't really worry about making money. I worry about making right decisions. So if you lay down the parameters that everyone else has set for success and you think what aligns with my heart and God's heart for what I'm called to do, and I make the right decisions, Great. then ultimately I'm going to end up in the right place. That is so good. I love those answers. I want to talk to you about conflict. How do you handle conflict? I mean, you have uh, responsibilities in a local church. You have responsibility. You have band members. Uh, you have expectations from management, uh, prob- label, mm-hmm. uh, tours, so on and so forth. Uh, the more people you work with, the more opportunity for offense mm-hmm. and conflict. Yeah. How do you? What are some thoughts you have when you go, man? I've got a I've got an issue here with a team member, uh, whether it be gossip, offense, friction, different mm-hmm. opinions. What are some thoughts that come to mind when it comes to handling conflict? I think for me, I'm very relational. I'm not afraid of conflict. Um, 
could say I enjoy a little conflict. <laughs> I'm mad at you. Yeah. But I think that it's a necessary part of healthy relationships. Absolutely. All conflict does not have to be negative. 100%. It is a, a the, the question really is, do you have the relational equity to have hard conversations? If you have relational equity with people on your team, people you're leading, then you are going to be able to enter into some, some rough waters and possibly end up with a good outcome. So that is what I'm always focused on with every person that I work with. First of all, I want them to know that I care about them. It's great. They are not expendable to me. That if you have committed your time and your life to this vision, you matter to me. Now, I realize my circle is probably a lot smaller than someone leading a church your size. But I am intentional about gifts. And I mean, monetary gifts, because money is how you show people value. It's one of the ways. Um, time and conversation. How do I connect people to people they want to know and talk to? I show people value that way. I think a constant pouring out of value toward people. Gratitude. Thank you for doing this, celebrating the contributions of people to the vision that you're carrying. I think all of those things cannot be overlooked because when you get into the conflict, you can't go get what you haven't deposited. Right. So the investments happen. Anyone with a great investment portfolio will let you know it is investment over time that builds equity. And if you haven't been building it over time, when you need to pull it out, it's just not there. Right. So if I have to handle a difficult situation with someone, the hope is I've built enough relational equity where, first of all, they know that I am 100% for them, that this is not personal, but it is about what needs to be done for the betterment of the vision. And then the, the last thing that I'll say on that is if you have the conversations around the ideas quickly, right? it won't come out later around the person. Ooh. If you hold on to, man, this bugs me. Man, yeah. They're doing this and this bugs me. And that, and it compounds and it builds sooner or later. What could have just been taken care of right. as an issue around an idea or a singular action or attitude Very good. becomes a whole thing about a person, and then it is personal. Mm. So I think that's something to weigh, too, as we wade into the waters of conflict. Absolutely. And I think at the end of the day, if you can just look at conflict as clarity, exactly what you're saying, hey, I'm just clarifying my mm-hmm. expectations, clarifying, I don't want you to do that clarifying, right. hey, this is something that... I don't that like that. It's probably not going to last for us if you can't pivot here. And I think that we're so intimate. Conflict is this daunting, massive conflict thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think it's got a bad rap. Like, it shouldn't. For I think sure. conflict is an opportunity to build more trust. Because yes. I love you, because I'm for you, I choose to have the difficult conversations. And when we walk away, we're going to be closer... 
we're going to be more united yeah. and we're going to and we're going to be on the same page to accomplish the task that we're here to do together. So, I think conflict I, I yeah, I'm kind of like you. I don't get intimidated by it. I kind of get excited about it. Yeah, cuz it's and, an opportunity to move forward. Exactly. And I I never like the guy that's like, "Oh man, I tore into them." Yeah. Oh, gave gave them a piece of my mind cuz yeah. that is so self-serving. Yeah. Conflict should be them serving to make them better and to yeah. make us better. It is not about you. If it's about you, people can tell and they'll stop listening to you. If it's yeah. for them, people generally will listen to what you have to say. Yes. I think backing up to maybe the step before conflict is expectations. When the expectations are clear, there will still be moments that you need to pivot, but you at least have a clear parameter for what you are desiring from the people that are around you. It's hard so to, you, you just assume everyone knows their role and responsibilities, but if you haven't set a clear expectation, you don't have anything to point back to. Right. And, and in those situations, I think as the leader, you have to take responsibility for the fact that we weren't clear in the expectation, Love own that. it, apologize, Oh mm. yeah, leaders got to say sorry a lot, <laughs> and then say, unfortunately, yeah, this is what here's what we're doing moving forward. So good. I want to ask you about staying hungry when you've mm -hmm. had success, mm -hmm. when you've when you've done well, um, when you when you've tasted a bit of what you thought you were going to taste. How, where does that fuel come from? What keeps you motivated and inspired and hungry? Because I'm fascinated by people that stay hungry. Like right now, we're watching Tom Brady. We're going we're gonna to watch Tom Brady mm -hmm. in his second career. Forget, mm -hmm. forget his, you know, how, at the 10th Super Bowl. This is, this is his second career. You know, I saw a photo where it showed Tom Brady in his first Super Bowl and then this Super Bowl. And his jawline is completely different. He has re-sculptured his body. He's mm -hmm. a different person, but he stayed hungry. And he's not competing yeah. against Aaron Rodgers. He's not competing against Drew Brees. Yeah. He's competing. He, something else is driving him underneath the hood. How yeah. have you found in, in your field of influence and in your career how do you stay hungry when you've had some success well in the music industry it's easy because you're only as good as your last success <laughs> right no one i hang these up they don't matter to anybody but me <laughs> <laughs> right 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 i put the plaques on the wall no one else cares what do you have next right and it's easy to fall into that trap, honestly, to think you're only as good as your last success. Wow. I believe you're only as good as the next step that you're willing to take to follow mm. what Jesus has called you to do. Mm. So I love that. I may never, you know, achieve some of the things that I've achieved already again. But if that's mm. the case, perhaps God has changed the bullseye. And I feel like you have to always be willing to lay down who you've been and what you've done to step into who you can become and what else you can accomplish. I love so, that. So 
my big pivot for 2021 has been I'm not trying to build a platform. Mm. I'm not trying to get more opportunities. I love what you said about not reaching for it, but letting it come to you. Yeah. That's been my heart. And I can say with 100% integrity, it hasn't always been like that. Right. I, I there There's a thing inside of the hungry heart that can crave platform and influence and numbers and all of that. But I think it's, it's the unrefined hunger, mm. learning how to be hungry for the right things. That's it. I know that you guys uh, recently did your 21 day fast at Zoe and uh, we did whole 30, my wife and I. Nice. And while we were studying this, she read like a whole book and like, <laughs> thing. I was just hanging on for dear life. I'm like, right. support you, babe. Oh. Uh, but she was saying they did a scientific study with rats and wow. they gave rats candy. And at first they were reluctant to eat the candy, but they consumed it. They saw, they monitored their, their, um, I don't know if it's like, obviously I don't know if they have like brains like that, but they right. modish, they, uh, evaluated their hunger and their levels of hunger and their desire. The more candy they ate, the more candy they wanted. Right. So as they got that, they kept wanting to come back and get more and more and more. And then they gained weight and all this stuff. And, and the study goes on. The point of it was to say, initially, they weren't craving that. They learned to crave it through their behavior and through their activity. That's right. The same thing with us. I can easily develop an appetite for the wrong things. That's it. But the thing is, the more I get of the wrong thing, the more I want the wrong thing. And it becomes a perpetual cycle that ultimately leaves me unhealthy. So Whole30 is clarifying what you're hungry for. I love that. So what do you really want? Mm. Because what you think you want may not be what's best for you. A hundred percent. So now we're clarifying, you know, the, the good foods, the right nutrients. Right. And now we're craving that. So now my hunger isn't for the success and the platforms and the opportunity. It's for people and to yep. serve people. And it is easy to get excited about life change. It's easy to just stay hungry to see people's lives transformed That's right. by what you have the opportunity to give them. Oh, I love that. I mean, that is brilliant right there. That just hits the bullseye. I can't applaud that reply better more, louder. If you're listening right now, that is a massive takeaway. You, I, I was even thinking about Proverbs when it says the Lord weighs the heart. What is it, what is it saying there? It's saying that God tests our motives. Mm -hmm. And through life trial, really, through, through, through circumstance, he'll test our heart. What are you about? What do you want? Mm -hmm. what, what, why are you doing this? Why are, you, why are you after this? What is your life about? And I'm grateful that I go checked. I would be a disaster if I went unchecked. I would create a me monster. You ever listen to Brian Regan, the, the comedian? <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, remember he had the me monster guy that walks in the party, is like, 
just all about himself. And we yes. could become that if we didn't have the Lord weighing out our heart. Last question. And uh, again, thank you for your time today. Brilliant answers, brilliant content. This is what I want to end with today. How do you stay patient when you are not yet where you want to be? How do you play the long waiting game when you're not quite there, but you believe? Yeah. There's something bigger. Yeah. There's something greater. How have you been able to stay content, motivated, secure, confident while playing the waiting game? Yeah. Such a great question. Great question for me. I feel like all of these questions are the things that I need to work on the most. <laughs> Same. Why do you think I'm asking them? I want to know. <laughs> I'm going to go listen to this back. Uh, and then we'll get Darius Daniels on here and we'll we'll get the answers. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, I think I think for me, patience is again trying to get down to motivation. Mm. <laughs> I think it all, I mean, all of the issues of life flow from the heart. To my motivation, my motives, are they pure? Um, and then, of course, you know, I wrote this down in my journal recently, and uh, I went back to it and, and pulled it out. And I was talking about the difference between vain discontentment and holy discontentment. Mm. And I, I wasn't prepared for you to read this question, but I do happen to have my journal. I love it. Right here. I love it. I'll read you a little bit. It says, I'm having a hard time deciphering between the type of discontentment that urges you to a calling and the type that is a simple disenchantment with my current context. Lord, I need your spirit to purify my motives mm. and help me decipher a spirit-led restlessness and not a flesh-driven restlessness. Mm. And my discontentment, is my discontentment holy? And that I crave to reposition myself to do more for the kingdom? Or do I crave position itself to build my own sandcastle? It was a holy discontentment in Jesus that called him away from the ordinary business of his mother and father to the supernatural business of his he heavenly father. Mm. It was a holy discontentment in Paul that drove him to share the gospel in Asia. How do I know what it is in me? Am I the star of my dreams? I could stay where I am and have the wrong motives. I could venture elsewhere and have the wrong motives. Lord, let me see it with your eyes. Send me the right counsel. Lead me in paths of righteousness for thy name's sake. Mm. Strip me of my own vanity and leave only that which is holy and that which is you. Wow. That That's... That's my prayer. Deciphering between these things is life or death for vision. Because even if you build it and it's amazing, mm. but at the end, God is evaluating it and it's put through the fire mm. and it doesn't make it. What did we spend our lives investing in? Yes, yes. 
I know that progress is a process. We always give the Israelites a hard time right? because they took what an 11 day journey and made it 40 years. And mm. we just rag on them, you know, <laughs> disobedient, idolatrous, all that. Not knowing. <laughs> yes. It's us, by the way, right. we're not Moses. We're the, <laughs> right, right. Not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And yet over those 40 years, if you look through the book of Numbers, it says, and this was how God led his people to the promised land, stage by stage. It says that Moses and Aaron wrote down the starting points, stage by stage. When God does something, he does it in stages. He is not in a hurry to accomplish it. He has this grand plan for the salvation of all humanity that has been unfolding for centuries. And he will bring it all to completion to the goal that is the glory of Jesus Christ. But it happens stage by stage. Wow. Numbers 33 says they set out from Egypt. They set out from the wilderness of sin. They set out 40 times, 40 verses. They <laughs> kept moving. Right. Our job is movement. Wow. God's job is fulfillment. Whew. And if we try to get to something before God wants us there, Come on. we will ultimately undermine the purpose for us being there in the first place. Beautiful. So patience, you know, it's it's a major key. And if we let God do it slowly, right, he will do it effectively. So that is be I mean I could talk about that for another, you know, while. So I'm I'm gonna pa put the pause button there and we'll finish that up another what, time. You, you, right there, that part right there. That I mean, thank first of all, thank you for sharing your journal. And there's some imagery within what you wrote there that is really beautiful. Am I the star of my own little sandcastle dream? That's right. Is this about me? And and then hitting on the numbers verses and 10 times they set out and the progress is process. All, all that that you just unpacked. I hope everyone is really understanding the gold that you are getting on this podcast right now because that right there will save you years. Mm -hmm. I think my fear... And the reason why I ask this question is because, listeners, hear me today. You are so talented. You are so gifted. You can manipulate your way into your own path of success. And it's scary because you can arrive there without the maturation, without the wisdom, without the team, without the experiences. You know, I always think about Psalm 78, David. He chose David from the sheepfolds mm -hmm. and brought him to shepherd Jacob, his own inheritance. And mm -hmm. when he did that, he shepherded with them with the integrity of his heart and the skillfulness of his hands. But where did he get integrity and where did he get skill? On the backside of the desert when nobody was watching. Nobody was watching. For, t for you, Torrent, that was Cincinnati. You know, that, yeah. that, that was, that was uh, all over the, the Midwest, all those other places because yeah. now that you're here, you, you, the, the plaques are up on the wall, but you got integrity of heart and skill. And I think we live in this era 
that you could fast forward your own success button. Mm-hmm. And I'm very scared of it. I'm very scared of it. Yeah. Because I would rather let God hit the fast forward button. One of the values in leadership, God has a fast forward button. He can use it whenever he wants. Right. And so it's a trust. It's a peace. Mm-hmm. It's a self-confidence. It's a being content. Paul says, I learned how to be content. We have to learn how to be content. Mm-hmm. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for your answer and your life. Again, I honor you. I celebrate you. You got to go check out Torrin's podcast. How many episodes have you released so far? 12 episodes. We just wrapped up season one. Season the one. Note. That right there is a fire, <laughs> fire title of a podcast. The High Note. Check it out for more great content. And of course, listen to his music. You know what song I've been playing a lot? I've been, in fact, I listened to it this morning again and thought about you. I was excited to do the podcast today. You can do all things. Uh, yeah. Or you never lost a battle. Never lost. Uh, on, uh, and that is one of my favorite songs right now. Yeah, it's so good. It is. It's, so- that, it's that song that like feels like church in the 90s. Yes. You know? <laughs> I love church in the 90s. Dude, it was the best. You know, that when I think about the Lord. Yeah. Not like that, but with some teeth, you know, I love it. Was it was it Abraham Laborio? Was it uh, who was the bass player that had Ancient of Days? Oh, Ancient of Days, blessing oh, and honor, glory and power. Yeah, uh, it reminded me of like that kind of vibe, like just like I all that. that you used to play keys and yeah, worship all that little syncopated beats. I just I get into it, man. Hey, it. thank you so much for for coming on. We love you. We appreciate you. Give love to your family. And when all this is over, I'm coming to H-Town or you're coming to L.A. for Let's great, go. Mexi- I'm for in great Mexican food. Come on. All right, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, bro.